Are you looking for a practice coach? If you are, go to ptpracticesuccess.com. At the very top of the page, there's a button. Just click on that to find out more. You know, kind of a in an apologetic kind of way, right? Um, so, so what um, this topic is about things that we can do in as a business owner, as an executive, a clinic director, things that we can do that can better the productivity of the practice. See, you know, we're in a situation environmentally in in, in the world today that everything costs more. But yet we're in a profession that we're chronically getting paid less. Now, that's not a revelation. You've definitely have known that and you've experienced it. So the only way that you can take better care of your staff, the only way you can pay your staff more money, the only way you can make more money is to make more money. And so maximizing efficiency and productivity is key. Making things run smooth and efficiently so that people don't overwhelm and melt down. Doing the things that bring value versus doing things uh, makes a big difference. So what um, I always find that if we can, if you can make a little bit of an executive out of every staff member that he or she knows how to manage their area, what is the benchmarks of performance for their area and how to achieve those benchmarks, then you, everyone you hire and you groove in in this manner, they become more efficient, more productive, and they stand out like a sore thumb when they're not. So what I want to do is just kind of go over some things that I've worked with practices from all over the United States and Canada, trained over 2,600 private practice owners in practice management. And so I've got some really, really, really successful clients that have huge practices. And some of the bigger names you see were once my client. In fact, I found out a couple of days ago, hanging out with one of my buddies from New York, is that he has the largest uh, single owner private practice in the state of New York. Okay. So he started out with me before he ever opened his doors. So, you know, got, those are good things. You can talk about those all day long, but you know, the successful practice owner is not necessarily the one with five clinics with a shrine of him out front holding a goniometer. The most successful practices are the ones that can balance work and life. They're, the practice is doing well. It's producing a certain amount of volume. It's, um, it's, it's going, uh, got a good team. They love going to work. The staff love to be there. Um, and they may not be the biggest, baddest guy in the universe, but they've created something that gives them life and doesn't suck the life away. Okay. So in order to do that, we have to create little mini executives underneath us. So I'm going to go through a series of slides, you know, of, uh, and then kind of talk about them with you of, of times, the types of things that I find makes, makes a difference, you know, when we're trying to move the needle, so to speak, with the practice. So the first thing we want to do is we really want to define what one produces on the job of which the company writes them a check. So you go, oh, I need to hire somebody in billing to do, uh, or whatever it is, name it, right? Well, you get that person. I don't know if you've ever noticed it, but I've surely noticed it in my practice over the years. You hire somebody, you put them in the, in the organization, and all you find is just greater debt to the organization. There's no increased revenue, right? Um, there's there's no increased productivity that leads to revenue down the road. It's just, I just paid somebody 50 grand a year to take 50 grand away from me, right? So what's important is that we go, we're going to find out what every staff member produces by which the company writes them a check. So if I have a receptionist, if you've been in any of my talks, I always talk about the receptionist because you, everyone should have one. And if you don't have one, you really don't have a practice yet, right? So if you have a receptionist, then I'd say you kind of have a, have a practice and, and at least an almost practice, but everybody has a receptionist. 
So they could be doing this and taking calls and filling out forms and recovering patients and doing authorizations, which isn't receptionist, but we jam it on top of their head because they're sitting still. So why not give it to them? Right. And, but the receptionist, if you look at receptionist, the receive is kind of the breakdown of receptionist. So receive means what do they receive? They receive money, you know, copays and deductibles, and they receive patients. So if I'm looking at a receptionist who's really good at all the paperwork and never uh, anything out of order, nice orderly desk, but she can't get people to keep their appointment or she can't uh, collect money uh, across the front desk, then I have a no receptionist, right? Um, but if I have a receptionist that is doing the thing in her or in her job that produces money, she's able to get people to keep an appointment and she's able to collect all the money that's due across the front desk, but she doesn't know how to do some of these admin things that get a little complicated. Uh, I'll deal with that. I'll, I'll, I'll nurture that. I'll train her more. But if she's good on the other and can't keep people to keep appointments, she's out the door in a week. Right. So we want to be able to evaluate what does each person do on the job, which company writes them a paycheck. So that goes from all the way to physical therapist. It could be a tech. It could be anyone in your organization, marketing person. You know, what are they producing on the job of which you can write them a check? Super, super, super important. And, and one that we, mm, we just, we hire, but we don't make that clear. Okay. So the next thing, once you've done that with you go through all of your staff and you've gone through and you've re- find out what is the product, what is the thing they produce? Not the thing that they do, but the thing that it ends up with. So if I got all this paperwork at the front desk, what it results with is, um, you know, that I can get a patient that gets back into the back and gets treated and et cetera. But, but what the predominant thing from my position is to keep people, get people to keep an appointment. So once I establish these benchmarks, I have what I call the standard of production. And then I have also from the clinical perspective, a standard of care. So when you're looking at a standard of production might be for the front desk, 95% arrivals, right? Uh, you might want, you want the patient to come an average patient frequency of 2.1. Um, you know, you have a couple of benchmarks that you establish as a standard of production for that particular position. If it's a billing person or an authorization person, there's a standard of production for those people. And you really work those out. If, you know, that's what I do with clients to get them to figure that out. And then we'd figure out a metric to be able to evaluate that performance, right? So that would be the next thing. What is the standard of care? If we look at clinically on the standard of care, we might want like how many visits do we expect a full-time equivalent PT to see in a week? Let's say it's 60. Okay. So the standard of care is 60, right? For patient visits, arrival rate, let's say it's 95%. That's the standard of care, right? Let's say our average frequency in which you want the patient to come in greater than 2.0, right? Then um, how many visits to discharge? Pick a number. Let's say greater than 12 or 12 to 15, right? I don't know. Pick a number, make it make sense for you, right? So it's delivering high quality physical therapy in a fiscally responsible manner. Are we getting a referral? Are we getting um, a review? or a testimonial or something. In other words, can I take my bright, shiny patient and leverage that bright, shiny patient to get me more patients? Okay. All that goes on inside the box. It doesn't go outside. It's not outside the box activity. It's inside the box activity. It's like zero cost marketing, but all of that fits in what we call the standard of care. Okay. And you'd establish that standard of care would be the next thing. What everybody's stats are standard of delivery, standard of care, standard of production. Okay. The next thing, every staff member then is to track that KPI. Okay. So if it's arrival rate or it's over the counter collections, I track that stat. Okay. Daily. Okay. Now the last uh, presentation I did was on, you know, reporting the news versus making the news. Right. So if you just turn in the number at the end of the week and go, here it is boss. Right. You are reporting the news. 
If you're tracking it da daily with a quota or target you're trying to achieve, then you have action steps that you can take along the way if you're below the target mark to hopefully win out at the end of the, of the week. For instance, you see your PT, you're supposed to see 12 visits a day. You're in, in the end of the day Monday, you're at 12. You're at 10, excuse me. So then you can look at that. You go, okay, is there anybody that should be here that isn't it? And you walk up front desk, go, I need Mary Smith and Sally George. I need both of them in here. I don't know what's going on. Get them in here, right? This week, right? Kind of thing. And um, and, and, you, and you drive that from your position in the organization, which may not be the owner. Okay, good. So that would be another thing that we would look at. Then you have all staff create a weekly plan Okay, that will keep their KPIs in acceptable range, such as, you know, how do I beat last week is the name of the game. That's what they're looking at. How do I beat last week? And so that's just a very key thing that you would do um, when you're when you're setting this up into motion. Like, how do I beat last week? So if I look at like I, I did 55 visits and let's say 60 was my number. I look it over and I go, OK, well, how can I beat last week? Well, I had three patients not coming in this week. I can give those guys a call where I can see somebody else does it, but I make sure those, those patients come in, right? I got a patient I'm supposed to be seeing, you know, they're weaning down to two days a week, you know, but now they're trying to move in one day a week and I didn't, I don't think they're ready for one day a week. I'm going to have to have to talk, right? To get them more committed to be on, on the team. You might have three or four things that you write down that you're, you're putting your plan together to beat, you know, last week. Now, once you've done that, you, you know, you're, you're, you have a plan, you're starting into the new week. So, you know, every day, you'd either, if you're a small practice, you do it as the owner. If you're a larger practice, you might do it as a clinic director. Um, if you're um, a very large uh, practice, you may have a regional manager that does this, but basically you have a morning huddle. And the morning huddle could be really five minutes long. And all that you're doing is keep directing their attention to their target for the week and their plan of action that they said they would take to um, be last week. So, in, in the in the shuttle in, in, excuse me the shuttle huddle okay in, 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 when when you have the morning huddle it's kind of a simple thing but it's ideal if everybody's together it's unreal that that will happen but if you can get two or more together that's always good so you might have a couple pockets of people and the reason for that is there what we're looking for is some group internal pressure it's like every all the cool kids are keeping their statistics and having a plan for the week and are working towards achieving that target. Right. And the, the non cool kids don't. So you get everybody together and you say, Joe, are you on target for the week? And he goes, no, I'm not. You go, okay, well, what's going on? Where are you at? He goes, well, I'm at 10. Say he's supposed to see 12. I'm at 10 right now in patient business. Um, well, do you have a plan for that? And he goes, yeah, excellent. You know, you don't have to, you don't have to make him tell you. Right? You could, you know, you have a plan for that? He goes, yeah, absolutely. He goes, you need, then you say, do you need any help? He goes, no, I think I'm good. Okay, excellent. Okay, Sally, are you on target? She goes, no, do you have a plan for that? She goes, no, I don't. You know, okay, well, you should have a plan for that. And then you go to the next person. And I'm not, I'm not even joking. It's just that simple. What you don't do is you don't tell them how to solve the problem. If you tell people how to solve problems, you get nothing but problems, right? You empower people to solve problems. That's what leadership's about, okay? So you want to empower them. So having a morning huddle, are you on target? Yes, high five, right? You know, I'm crushing it, high five, right? Is there anything you need from me? No, I'm good. Fantastic, carry on have a great day, right? Something like that, right? So you, you work your way through, um, through the, through the practice like that. Now, if you meet with people individually, it, it isn't quite as good because they want to talk to you, right? So you go, Hey, are you on target for the week? And they go, um, no, well, you should have a plan for that. And you walk away. It's a, it, you can do it. It's a little awkward, but you walk away. 
But if they're standing in a group, you could say, are you have a plan for that? He says, no, you should have a plan for that. You can go on to the next one. I've got a podcast and I don't know, some video somewhere. And um, I don't know, maybe something's on my blog about the, um, the importance of a huddle. I'm a big fan of it. It does keep you connected with the team. Um, and it's like a group coming together to win the week. Because there's, you know, great prizes and fun things that happen when you do, right? And there's unemployment when you don't, right? So you focus them on uh, improving productivity. Now, I'm not trying to make a slave of anybody. I'm not trying to give, make, give you some fantastic freedom and beat the hell out of your staff. I'm not interested in doing that. It's just you agree upon a standard of production, and by golly, you make sure that they hit it. So you don't set a standard of production that's just like they will shoot you if you're running at this level this is too high maybe criminal right you just want to be in that you know when you hire a guy you go do you agree to work six you see 60 visits a week yeah great done then 60 visits a week is what we're expecting to see in that example right so we have a morning huddle and we we set the morning huddle to 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 um kind of set the stage right and then you know we we then when, when we when, me, when we set up that morning huddle i got lost here hang on a second and we never let it drop out, right? And the next thing that we do, next slide, please. Here we go. And that is we're gonna record the KPIs weekly. So we're as we, we're tracking it through the week and then we, every week we turn in the final number. So we don't keep daily numbers from the end of time. We just turn in the final number, right? So we can see what, what was my arrival rate last week? What was my arrival rate the week before? What was my arrival rate before that, right? Not like every single day, but the weekly number, right? So we record the weekly KPIs. Okay. Now you might put on something like this, a bit of a spreadsheet or whatever, or a graph. If you have graphical software, clients have graphical software that I work with that shows trends and stuff like that. It's really nice when you slap it up on the wall and you can see it from a hundred miles away where, where areas are going well or poorly, right? So depending on the practice, you may have a lot of statistics. Some, some of you might have very few statistics. If you're a small practice, it might be just PVs, patient scheduled arrival, new patients, billing, collections, you know, it's maybe it should be a short list and that might be even a struggle to keep up with those stats. But if you have a bigger practice with more leadership, maybe some good executive structure, you might have a much more developed um, uh, statistical analysis to perform. And so you would be keeping other data, right? But this would just be a sample just for something to view on a slide, okay? So once we, you know, we're doing that, we're keeping that weekly. Another thing we want to do every week is we want to have kind of a weekly need a knee, right? So, um, and so I have a piece of paper to keep track of this, right? So um, there's two parts to a weekly one-on-one -on -one meeting. So this isn't something you block out on the schedule. I'm going to have my little moment in time, you know? No, it's something, you, I mean, you could do that. I wouldn't stop you if you didn't. But it's something where you're getting with a staff member and you're sitting down, right? And you're, you, and he knows, and it runs routine so that the person goes, why are you talking to me, boss? Am I in trouble, right? It runs like a routine, right? So the first part is you discuss the weekly performance. Like, so um, how, how's things going this week? Are your numbers looking pretty good? Yeah, 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 I'm doing, I'm doing all right. Gonna be a little tight on the phone beat last week, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hustling pretty hard. And you go, okay, you know, you're not like, you know, kind of thing. It's not, uh, you never want those meetings to be anything but enlightening, beneficial, helpful, and caring. So yeah, we're one-on-one. -on -one. Okay, you just you might discuss some ideas of things that could be better or improve either in the practice or on their their respective position. It doesn't have to have a format to it, but the first part is centered around productivity. And then um, you know if they try to give you a problem because you're going to ask like, oh, so what do you what, anything you need from me? Yeah, I need blah 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 blah. I don't know how to handle so and so and so and so and such and such and such and such. And you your reply I'd recommend would be if you did know Joe, what would you do? 
right? Because when someone tries to pin a problem onto you, if you if you say that, they go, well, you know, Sean, what I I don't really know, but I was hoping that you could, you know, and I go, well, if you did know though, but what would you do? And they usually put them on their heels. They don't know how to respond to that. And they go, well, um, I guess I could tell him blah, 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 right? You go, good, why don't, you, why don't you do that? And you just became Teflon, right? I had the nickname of the Teflon kid when I ever practiced because I wouldn't let problems stick to me. And I did that. So when someone tried to present me a problem, I go, hmm, if you did know how to handle it, what do you think you would do, right? And um, that usually handled it, right? So you have a one-on-one meeting. And the first part, again, is about production. The second part is about building on a friendship. You know, I'm not really a big fan of the idea that the boss can't be friends with the staff. You just got to know when you're a friend and you got to know when you're a boss and your staff need to know that you are a friend and their boss. Two of my top five most loved friends, I had fired. One guy I fired and I went out with him the next weekend. Okay. I can separate those two hats. Performance is performance and friendship is different, right? And so the, some of us can't see those two as different, but you know, I can have a friend that's a lousy employee and I have to, you know, show him the door, but I can still be his friend. Now that might be a little odd for you to get your head around, right? But um, the friendship's very important to me, but so is my practice. And I separate those two, okay? But the second part is about building the friendship. So you want to give an opportunity for the staff member to get something off their chest that might bother them. Is there anything you think we should change or improve around here? Right? You know, how are you doing exactly? You know, I'm doing all right, you know? You've been sleeping okay since the baby came along? Huh? Yeah, pretty good. You know, I mean, baby's sleeping well, you know? Small talk, right? Um, you want to be, uh, you know, it wants to be personal. It could also be professional goal development. Maybe it wants to get uh, certified and interactive metronome. You should look that one up. That's funny. Um, or, um, you know, dry needling or whatever. Uh, or maybe he says to you, you know, Sean, what I'd really like to, I actually want to be a private practice owner. You know, instead of like gulp and, you know, sweat and bullets or something like that, you might go, um, <clears throat> all right. So what if there was a way I could help you do that when the time is right? Would you be interested in partnering with me? You know, like, whoa, right? Maybe you don't say that. Maybe you're like, I would want to partner with that guy. But I have a client in Louisiana, a great guy, had this top producing therapist, just didn't like the area. Eventually loved the job, loved his boss, loved the team, but just didn't want to grow up in that area of Louisiana. So he wanted to move someplace else in Louisiana. And so Doug was talking to me about it. And I said, I go, dude, you should partner with him. What? Yeah. Well, he's moving like two hours away. I go, still in the state of Louisiana? Yeah, I go, good. Why don't you partner with him? So they partnered together and they opened up a clinic. And I think they're four weeks in and they're doing 70 some visits a week. And, you know, they're hiring their next clinician, right? Um, or that guy could have been gone forever. So, you know, he, he told him that, you know, a long time ago, he goes, I don't think I'm going to stay. Okay. Well, if he's a top producer, maybe you can get creative. What do you think about a partnership? Or if the person says, you know, I want to, I want to start my own practice and you go, well, okay, well, I'll tell you what, would you be interested in me kind of grooming you towards that? And we partner together. Wow. So you didn't invalidate him. You didn't go, oh, oh my gosh, if I could do it all over, I wouldn't do it, you know, or something like that. You, you know, you, you might be able to groom the guy that buys your practice out someday. Many guys have done it. Right. So you, you create that environment where it's safe for them to communicate and you want to be a really good listener, very good listener in the one on one. Other times you may not have to be a good listener, but on the one on ones, you got to be a good listener. OK, good. And then um, next thing, you got the end of the week wrap up. So every staff member at the end of the week does these simple things. Right. So um, they review their trends and on their KPIs, they just look at their stats and see how they're doing. Right. They write up a plan for the new week. If it's a therapist, he might like look at who, who didn't show up this week. 
and I'm going to call these guys or make the front desk call them, right? Or he might look at somebody who's declining on the frequency that they're coming in, but they're really not improving, you know, but something's up. I want to dig in and find out on these three people, right? And I've got this one patient who always talks about her friend who's got a problem and, you know, I've never asked her for a referral and I'm going to ask her. Okay, good. That's his plan. Good. And then when you have a weekly staff meeting during the staff meeting, you're prepared to discuss your productivity for the week during the weekly staff meeting. So it's kind of just that simple, right? So then you have your weekly staff meeting. You know, it's not that by itself is not, um, normally it's kind of like a sermon from the mount people get together for a staff meeting it's usually once every decade or every quarter or month or, or whatever and it's usually um a state of the union address or um you know a big statement about a whole bunch of policies and you know um, that kind of thing but you know a weekly staff meeting is an opportunity for your staff to tell you how they're performing and to enlighten you on what they're going to do in the new week to do well it's an opportunity for you to validate great performances, people who are doing well. It's an opportunity for the people who are doing well to be validated by the rest of the staff as well. The, the staff meeting is, an, is a vibrant and uplifting event. It is not like dead man walking, right? You know, you go, how do you create that? Well, I can help you. Just reach out to me. But you, you want to create that kind of environment. And if you do, and you do it well, um, your staff begin to own their position. And as they own their position, they become a better manager of their position. And then they they handle their area better. They become more valuable. If you go to want to open up another clinic, you, you, you can look across the team of clinical staff that you have and you go, this guy is ready for it. He's always prepared. He does good production. Um, he's a good leader. People come to him for answers to questions, et cetera. But the staff meeting is like that. Now, during a staff meeting, let's say you have a staff member present a plan based on their performance of the prior week. They present a plan that you absolutely know won't work. It's actually quite a bonehead plan. Well, what you don't do is squash it during the staff meeting in front of everybody. So they give you like a crazy plan. Right. And you go, well, all right. Okay. So why, why don't we meet up just a few minutes um, after the staff meeting? Okay, Bob. Oh, okay, cool. And, and then you do, and then you, then you'd say, I'm not sure I understood what you were wanting to do there, but you don't bring them out in, in public. And so it's praise in public, reprimanded private. Right. So a weekly staff meeting, very key, right? Here's just a viewpoint I have of if you tolerate mediocrity, don't be surprised when it happens. Um, I, I, I see too many people, uh, give up on their goals and dreams because of their team. Um, they, they get pushback. They get disagreement. I say all change is met with resistance. So buckle up. It's going to happen. And even the things I'm suggesting here to improve productivity, they require your ability to change behaviors, not only in them, but in you. And if you're able to overcome that, and you might need some help in getting there, but if you're able to overcome that, your practice thrives. It really grows. And, and you'll be able to you know, achieve more and they'll be able to achieve more. They'll be proud of that. Your staff will be proud of their production because they're validated for it versus they just put in another week. Right. So, um, it, it is key. If you tolerate mediocrity, don't be surprised when it happens. You know, one of the things I would like you to know about is I actually have a 12 week practice acceleration course that's, you know, delivered live and then recordings that are always available to you going over several different areas of the practice to help you better manage it, and simple tools that you can use. Our motto is um, little changes lead to massive success. So it's not something dramatic that you do that turns your practice around. It's the little things that you do consistently that changes your practice for the better.
right? It's the little changes, right? So in that, you know, we're looking at bettering your schedule book control, bettering your you know, case management and your patient compliance, how to ask for referrals from happy patients, you know, how to um, effective marketing that brings you in new patients, um, how to get a person to accept your offer of employment, um, you know, how to, how, what statistics to keep in a practice. And then how would you manage with those statistics versus just keeping them? How do you make the news versus just reporting the news and a variety of other things. And so it's a 12 week program. If it looks like it's something that's interesting to you and you want to find out more and see if it's a good fit for you, of course, you can class a QR code. If you've never seen that, uh, you know, what planet are you from? Right. Just click on the QR code with your phone. It will bring you to a page. Um, that, that explains the program. And if it's something that you're interested in, want to find out more and see if it's a good fit for you um, in small group sizes, so you won't get lost. But if it looks like it could be something that could fit for you, really benefit you, we work step-by-step step through things and you're going to be accountable. So if you're like, oh, I think this would be a good thing to listen to, then I don't think you should do it. But if you shouldn't do anything like that, like why would you learn if you're not going to apply? I never understood that. So um so if this looks like something you'd want to do, then you'd be getting um, programs and strategy and checklists and things that we'd want you to be applying as you move through the training so that you're a success story at the end of it. Okay. But anyway, I'm so sorry that I messed up on the, the live stream yesterday. I hope this made up for it. And I hope to see you um, very soon. And again, if you're interested in this program, I want you just to give us a holler and set up a time and we'll share all and see if it's fit. Okay. All right, folks, have a great weekend, okay? If you like what you heard today, consider our coaching program. Go to ptpracticesuccess.com and click on the link at the top of the page.